Airbnb's mission is both simple and powerful, to help create a world where you can belong anywhere. Alex Schleifer, Airbnb's head of design, fully embraces this mission. To create the products that make the Airbnb experience so welcoming and immersive, he also believes in being product-driven and organizes his teams in an engineering product design structure, which they also call the Triforce. Have a listen as Aaron and Eli talk with Alex about the advantages of this team structure and about some of the problems companies run into when they try to create a design-led culture. They also dig into Airbnb's mission and vision and talk about the trade-offs between quality and speed when building products. Enjoy this episode and may the Triforce be with you. As a Design Better listener, we think you'll enjoy Tools and Weapons. It's a podcast hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Brad's conversations with leaders at the intersection of the promise and perils of the digital age touch on some fascinating topics, like the new AI economy and how AI is becoming a tool in the battle against hunger. On a recent episode, Brad was taken to Venice, Italy, where he connected with Eve Ubelmanhoff of Iconum. It's a startup that specializes in 3D digitization of endangered cultural heritage sites. During the relative quiet of the pandemic, Eve and his team used drone capture photography and some powerful AI tools to create a full-scale digital twin of Venice, a city threatened by climate change and over-tourism. How cool is that? On Tools and Weapons, Eve tells Brad how he's using this incredible technology to help preserve some of the world's most endangered cultural heritage sites in pristine detail so they can be studied and appreciated for generations to come. To stay current on some of the most innovative people working with AI today, you should subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith, wherever finer podcasts are served. Alex Schleifer, Airbnb, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, we're happy to chat with you today. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so tell us a little bit about life growing up and, and your background. Uh, so my, uh, parents, uh, traveled a lot, um, and, um, and specifically around the Mediterranean and the Middle East. So I, I grew up in countries where, um, you know, we would, we would move a lot, uh, and there would be, uh, uh, countries where I wouldn't have that much access to computers, but my parents always managed to find a way to, to, to find technology, which was something I was passionate with since the early days, since I was probably seven years old, I, uh, I was toying with computers. Um, and so growing up, I, I, you know, I, I, I was, you know, a kid that loved to draw, loved computers, kept reading, you know, sometimes month old magazines, because we, we, we used to live in countries where, where some of these things weren't readily available. And I, and I built up this passion for making stuff on computers. Um, thought I was going to make video games, um, still think that one day I'm going to make a video game. Um, and, um, and then, you know, the teenage, you know, I was a teenager around 17, the internet happens really lucky because it kind of gives me a job to do, right. It goes from being just a passion. And I'm pretty sure my parents were unsure of where I was heading with this specifically because they, we, I was focusing a lot on, on the, on the more creative side of things, storytelling, just building interactive pieces. Um, and, um, and the internet happens, which means that, you know, even though we, we didn't live in, in, a, in any of the technology centers of the world, it meant we all, all of a sudden had access to knowledge, but also clients, people who wanted websites to be built. Um, and from there, starting from 17, um, you know, quit high school, more or less, um, and started a, a web design business. Um, and from there I, I did that for, for a good 20 years, wow. uh, until, until my company was acquired. Um, and, and then joined a, a great company called same media, which was a, a, a digital media company, um, moved to San Francisco, which was you know kind of a big deal, uh, considering this is, you know, this was the center of the world. This was always the place I wanted to land, uh, at some point. And then, uh, Three, three and a half years later, had the opportunity at Airbnb and, and Airbnb was actually my first ever job interview, uh, <laughs> which is daunting. It's the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, and now I'm here. Now, and, and you, the, the 
business that you started up that what year was that that it started it's the late 90s oh yeah late 90s 97 98 um, okay. early early days um you know cutting edge uh, cut it. we had you know we had one computer and we were so so it was it was a my brother and a good friend of our uh, of ours and and myself and I would do the graphics. My brother would do the programming and our friend was the IT guy. But the problem is we only had one computer. So we would take turns <laughs> uh, kind of working on different parts of a project. Uh, and we would, you know, every, all of our clients would think that we, we were a real business, but we were three kids in a, in a bedroom with a single computer. Right. Uh, uh, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. And, and what was it like working with your brother? <laughs> oh, that... You know, I, I, I feel, uh, I feel lucky that I had, uh, you know, he's, he's three years younger. He's incredibly smart. Um, he's, he also moved to San Francisco. Um, and, and, and early in the early days, I, I wanted to be an engineer or I, or I thought I did. And then my, my nine-year-old brother comes in and can code better than I ever could, you know, <laughs> after, after three months and that he, he showed me that I was on the wrong path. Um, hmm. and, and so, and probably pushed me more towards design than I would have otherwise. And we always had that great working relationship because there's not a ton of overlap. We, we complement each other. That's interesting. So you, you, you got pushed into design because you saw that engineering wasn't the right path, but, uh, it sounds like that relationship you had with your brother. I mean, you guys spent probably a lot of time together and you must've had a, a strong relationship. And I wonder if working with your brother who's an engineer and that's kind of a different mindset than a designer how does that influence the work that you're doing today because you've got to work with a lot of different engineers and and people with different mindsets yeah i think it's 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 interesting because i worked with an engineer before i worked with other designers um and and i think i probably worked with with my brother william at least for two or three or four years before I met another designer that was doing the same job I was, mm. you know? Um, so for me, the relationship with, with engineering and the engineering mindset and understanding, you know, when, what goes into actually building and shipping something, um, it's nearly alien to me not understanding that, right? And, it, and it's something I had to actually learn to see. I had to, I had to learn how to really get the perspective of someone who hasn't really connected with engineering um, at, at, at the level I had. Because, yeah, first of all, I was a failed engineer and I, I tried and I really, and I still want to be, you know, it's like learning the guitar. I still want to be able to do mm -hmm. it one day. Um, and, and the other thing is that I never thought of what I did as something I could do without an engineering component. So I either had to learn it myself or work with folks who knew how to do this. Um, and I think it, it gave me hopefully not a unique perspective, but at least a, 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 my relationship with engineering feels easy and natural. Mm. Um, and, and, and in some ways I had to learn what it means not to understand that so I could bridge uh, those gaps for others. Um, um, because Part of me, I think, thinks more like an engineer than a designer sometimes. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 been interesting, uh, but very lucky, I think. You know, because since I was that's how I've been working since I was very young. That's great, Alex. I I um, share some parallels in that I'm also sort of a recovering engineer, and I've worked with my brother <laughs> brothers over the years. So I think those are, those are cool stories to hear. Um, you, you know, a lot of the folks that we talk to at Airbnb talk about the, the really good rapport between um, engineering and, and product and design. Could you talk a little bit about that um, and how you, how you see kind of that happening at, at Airbnb? Yeah, I mean, at the very, so at a very basic level, we look at, um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty um, settled in an EDP structure, you know, engineering, design and product. Um, um, working together with a shared accountability of just delivering a great, a great product, great results for our business, great experience for our users. Um, and so the, the, the people I interface with, you know, uh, the most are really the, the head of engineering and the head of product. And, and we, we, 
we really operate as a unit, which is which is great. Um, and we try to replicate that structure within every team. Um, and so, you know, there's definitely differences. Uh, uh, you know, engineering teams are, of course, much larger on average. Um, and and we all have our own sets of, of responsibilities. But in general, the, the teams, I think the, the teams that operate in the healthiest way, when you walk into the room, you actually don't notice who's the designer or who's the engineer, right? Um, uh, and 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 people are 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 having broad product conversations, understanding that they all each represent an initiative, uh, uh, each re- represent a discipline. Um, that will lead that will lead us to to some successful outcome. Now, you know, there's there's of course tied to that. There's you know data science and research and content strategy and translation. There's all sorts of of discipline uh, wrap, wrapped into this. But we really look at this as a, a as design engineering and product. And design has a really broad definition. Um, um, at Airbnb, you know, it includes research. It includes all sorts of things. Um, so, so, so when you're in the room, you know, once you recreate that structure uh, and and you build these relationships and you build specifically uh, kind of an environment of trust between those different teams, um, and then you give them an environment where building stuff is is easy and natural. Um, then I think you you can create a pretty healthy environment, uh, and uh, and and you know on top of that, you know Airbnb's culture and values and the way we treat employees here is is pretty exceptional, uh, and and so that that all helps create an environment, foster an environment of trust. Uh, beyond that, uh, you know a lot of the tensions between engineering and design, I believe, are actually technical process things things that that you can solve um you know so so we're investing heavily in in tools we're investing heavily in in process and education uh to to iron out to smooth out those gaps between engineering and design which are a lot of you know a lot of things that 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 just can be solved with with just better tooling and better education uh and it's incredible just what having a great way of um systematic way of delivering assets to an engineer and 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 a shared vocabulary that you're uh that you have on on both teams uh can help you know iron out any of those kind of rougher uh patches that usually happens in 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 product development so uh you know pretty successful i i i think it's 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 interesting and this industry and this neighborhood, this part of the world is interesting because, you know, we always talk about the tech culture and the, 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 uh, that exists here in, in, in Silicon Valley, but it's actually every culture, every company is so different. Every, the way every company treats design and treats the relationship between design and engineering and product management is so different. Uh, that you have, you know, and, and there's there's a fair amount of of movement be- from one company to another. So the cultures are always uh, 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 mixing, and uh, it means that as a company grows, you're absorbing different parts of different cultures, cutting some parts out, learning new things, unlearning old things, um, and and um, it's always interesting seeing somebody come in from a culture that is more engineering driven or more design driven. Um, uh, move into Airbnb and have to adjust to potentially this, hopefully this uh, more egalitarian, you know, uh, uh, structure that we have, um, and uh, and hopefully they see the benefit of that. But uh, I'm definitely happy with it. Those that do make that transition, how how do they manage to adapt, and what's the outcome for them? Do they feel like? Hey, this this culture over at Airbnb is so different, and I I don't feel comfortable with it. Or do they kind of warm up to it and start to see the the value of of being more egalitarian? I, I think it's you know uh, 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 first of all the environment here is is in, is incredibly welcoming. So um, there's a there's that as a safety net while pe- while people adjust. Uh, so I think it can take like a month or two to adjust uh, to this new structure. Most of the worries really come from how can you move quickly? How can you move quickly when there's a a process of shared accountability like this, right? Um, and I think and I think that you know that is then you you need to put your trust in people and in the relationships that they built that you can make decisions quickly. 
and have access to each other and trust each other to make certain decisions so that you can keep moving quickly. Um, and, and, and just centralizing the decision-making process, um, isn't always the quickest way to move forward. Um, so, so once you kind of take this leap and you get into that flow and you build a trusted relationship with your, with your peers, with really, you know, what is your first team, you know, your, your, your engineering counterpart, your product counterpart, your data scientist, your researcher. Once you create this, this team relationship, then it really feels like what everybody misses, which is that, you know, that first time they worked in a small team and everybody was, you know, kind of sinking every day and, 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 and moving forward in the same direction and, and operating as a small unit. Um, but it requires a level of, of trust, I think. Um, and it requires us as a leadership team and as an organization to create environments where, where this, these types of behaviors can, can grow. So everything from the way our office is designed to the tools that we're building, to the processes, to the way we share information is, is aimed at that. You know, we're still a young company. There's still a lot of stuff to learn. But I feel good about the the direction we're heading into. You mentioned in, uh, in answering the last question that um, you know you've got folks coming in from other companies that are maybe a little more engineering led or, or perhaps design led, and then there was also an article where where you talked about some of the problems that uh, people have in design led companies. Can you touch a little bit on that? Yeah, I, I you know, I, and I think I have to be careful um, uh, because there's. You know, part of the issue we have in, in our industry and in our specific discipline is taxonomies and the wording of things and 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 the multiple meanings uh, that we apply to different things. I I I strongly feel that having any discipline, uh, being a leading discipline, is uh, not a productive way of moving forward. Now, of course, you know if you're a design agency, that's different. That's what you do. Right. Uh, if you're an architecture firm, uh, that's what you do. But I think when you're delivering a product, and that product is the sum of the work of multiple disciplines, from 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 you know product specialists to data scientists to designers to illustrators to engineers, then I think you don't you 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 know you're you're doing yourself a disservice by saying, you know, we want to be design led. Now. I think you absolutely need this to be design thinking led. I think uh, those are things that apply to everyone. Um, but I worry um, when the decision making process is centralized around a single discipline that doesn't hold all the knowledge. Um, and and you know I wanted to make sure that specifically in a company that is founded, you know, two of our three founders are designers. Uh, they both went to RISD. Um, that that didn't that inherent bias that came from that you know that expected bias wasn't something that we were going to uh um you know uh, 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 build upon i think it's I, and i think brian and joe are also understand that this this concept of design is a you know and designing a great product is the combination of all these different skill sets so build bridges work w- working with different craftspeople on creating something really wonderful that's why we're in this and so um i think it's it's you know i think it's nice i would you know but uh, 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 there's something very exciting about having an ivory tower model where i would work with a group of designers and and craft some some future facing product idea but it's really much more empowering and I think more fun longer term to be mixed into the group. Like I said, you walk around and you don't really notice uh, and you don't really get a sense of this is a designer, this is an engineer, and this is a front end engineer. You know, it's a spectrum. There's a spectrum of people in there. And I think you can, you can fill every part of this gradient um, with, with different skill sets and, and the definition between designer and engineer is even a fuzzy one at times. So I, I just wanted to make sure that we remain pragmatic and, and that we look at this more holistically as, as a company. And I think we should as an industry as well. You, you joined Airbnb in 2015 and you were the first head of design for Airbnb. Is that right? That is right. Was there a head of engineering leading up to that or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Mike Curtis, uh, 
uh, is VP of engineering. Um, and, um, he was, he was here when I got here, uh, and also a VP of product. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a scale issue and it's a maturity issue and it's a growth issue in the company. Um, engineering, you know, I, there's no specific ratio, but, you know, age engineers can easily outnumber designers eight, 10 to one, um, um, and so, and so you need that structure built into that er, very early at, at the time, I think the team and, and Katie Dale had joined before that and she, she, she was managing, uh, much of that team. She's, she's, um, she's a director of UX. Um, but the team was pretty flat and working directly with, um, uh, with a lot of the founders on a lot of the initiatives. Uh, and that, that, I think that w- worked fine and must've been, um, really incredible in the early days you know as, as as small teams kind of working together on a really exciting project as we needed to start scaling um uh you know we needed to apply a little bit more structure um and so we nearly you know tripled or quadrupled the team in two years uh and and to get that done they needed a, a vp of, of design to come in so yeah and, and that's that's something we hear a lot from other organizations too is that um, engineering and product, they scale early on and they have to figure out how to operationalize very quickly. And then design, it seems like in so many companies, they're, um, they're just figuring this out. How do we operationalize? How do we make our process more efficient? How do we align our work and, and, and our activities with these other two pillars of the organization? Can you talk a bit about how now that you've been um, at this for a couple of years at Airbnb, you've you, you've got a process that's pretty solid, and you've got a strong rapport. It sounds like with heads uh, of of uh, product and engineering. How do you align your activities and the structures within each one of these pillars? Um, well, we haven't figured everything out, but I think we're doing we're doing a pretty good job at it. Um, I, I I think first of all is creating clarity within the organization and we're constantly iterating and simplifying our org structure um, so that it's easy to describe to somebody coming into the organization how, how it is structured. I think that's something that a lot of companies um, struggle with in the early days and, and it usually gets better over time. Um, you know, I think pre- preferably it would have been great to start with a head of, you know, a VP of product, VP of eng, a head of product, head of eng, head of en- uh, head of design, right from the beginning, to make sure that you know people were in sync and 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 creating the the strategies and the structures around that. I I feel that my first six months to a year was a lot of catching up to that and building the relationship with uh, Mike and Jobot, who who lead these other teams. Um, I think at this stage we've reached this cadence. Uh, you know, we'll meet or talk uh, every day uh, uh, at at some level. Uh, we we'll, we discuss the product, we discuss features, um, we discuss you know organizational ish, uh, issues. Uh, but we're you know we're all very close to what's happening within the company, and these are just conversations that are happening naturally. And then we have our individual. Um, kind of our individual responsibilities that we just trust that, you know, we, each of us is going to do. Um, so it's, it's, it's strange. There's no magic bullet. I think the investment in the relationship has been huge, right. And the trust building, uh, at this level and, and then making sure that that gets replicated at, at every level in, in the organization as much as possible. It's pretty hands-on. Um, it's, it's, it's very much about you know, maintaining just constant conversation. The company moves incredibly fast. Um, uh, and so it can happen that we're out of sync at times. Uh, but when I, whenever that happens, you know, we'll just jump on a call or grab breakfast or, or, or check in and, and, and catch up. Um, so the thing I've noticed is, is, you know, having us three as, as aligned and as in sync as possible has a tendency of, of creating, you know, a, a, a pretty productive, uh, kind of environment around us. Uh, and when we're not, it creates chaos. Um, so, uh, 
so that's what we've been working on. Then on the teams themselves, you know, like I have incredible leverage. I have incredible people on my team, you know, um, and 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 so do do Mike and and Jobot um, on the PM and and Eng sides. And that's another thing, right? It took us two years to get to a point where you have incredible directors, incredible managers running running teams that have really not only understood the culture but also uh, uh, um, invested in it, you know, helped us build it. Uh, and so, so folks like Katie and Judd on the research team and Adrian on, on design ops, Marissa on content strategy, we have, you know, uh, just, just incredible people. And I think it's, it, it makes the job so much easier. Uh, and once again, I think it's trying to build trust and having as much of an open door policy with everyone. Um, so that whenever something arises, you're just a phone call away or, or, or you can walk across the office. And, and, and in general, as a company, we've managed to maintain that culture of openness. So none of us have offices uh, at, at a leadership level. Uh, we're usually sitting or hanging around a specific area. So people from the team will literally come by and find us and be able to say, hey, I have just this thing. I need to talk to you for 30 seconds. Um, and this is... I feel is generating a, uh, an environment where where things get aired out early enough, uh, and we can tackle them. Now, once again, they, you know, organization scales as quickly as ours. Uh, it's 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 a lot of work, and we're not getting everything right all the time. But as long as we can kind of maintain trust and and hire great people, uh, things are getting easier every day. Um, so, so it's a very, you know, here's the thing. We're in a very human business. Our, our entire business is based around people and our entire company is as well. And sometimes, and definitely dealing with, with people is harder at times, right? It's less predictable. It, it's, it's much more, it's much more high touch, uh, and it's much more emotionally taxing, uh, but that's, you know, that's how we can do all the things that we do, you know, and, and, and you, you see it. Uh, whenever there's anything that happens, any kind of group gathering uh, or a party, how 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 people from this company interact with each other, uh, you know, everybody just really trusts the people that they work with, which is which is huge. Uh, which means I can step out for a couple of weeks and and everything will be fine, you know. Um, and that's I think that's a real achievement and a uh, and and an incredible achievement by the founders who who set out to do that right from the beginning. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When we spoke with Seth Godin on Design Better, he said something very interesting. Everyone's got a noise in their head. You, me, your boss, everyone. That noise in our head is self-doubt, confusion, fear, anxiety, all of that. It's part of the human experience, and it can hold us back. Therapy is one of the best ways to work through it all to quiet the unproductive noise and develop positive mental health. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and to work with your schedule. BetterHelp can help you get the support that you need. Visit betterhelp.com slash designbetter today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash design better support for design better comes from uplift desk creators of office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier it's been estimated that the average person will spend one-third of their life at work sobering huh that's roughly ninety thousand hours at work over your lifetime imagine what happens to your body if you're working with bad posture and poor circulation it can be devastating on your health that's why Eli and I love Uplift Desk and their ergonomic desks and chairs. Uplift Desk makes solid, well-constructed standing desks that you can customize to match your workspace. And they have a wide variety of incredibly ergonomic chairs. My personal favorite is the Human Scale Freedom Chair. I'm sitting in it right now. For professionals like us, investing in the right tools, especially our desk and chair, is essential. You're going to get free shipping, free returns with free return shipping, and an industry-leading 15-year warranty that covers the complete desk. Eli and I love their products, and we know that you will too. Give it a try. 
Go to upliftdesk.com and use code DESIGNBETTER5 for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk.com to get 5% off your entire order with promo code DESIGNBETTER5. Support for Design Better comes from our friends at CrashPlan. Visit crashplan.com slash designbetter for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. From my daughter's first birthday to my son's first soccer game, if you're like me, you have thousands of precious family photos that only exist in digital form. That's why I've been using CrashPlan for a decade and a half now to back up all my important files. CrashPlan works efficiently in the background while you work, encrypting and sending all your new or changed files up to their secure cloud server every 15 minutes. And they make it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can also be your ultimate rewind button. Businesses of all sizes benefit from CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities. Buy as many user licenses as you need and easily manage them all under one account. Go to CrashPlan.com slash DesignBetter for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash DesignBetter, all one word, for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So, so you got these great people and you're, you're moving really fast. Um, I imagine that it really takes a, a strong vision to keep things moving in the right direction. Can you talk a little bit about the, about vision at Airbnb? Yeah. Um, I think we're an incredibly lucky company. Um, and, and, and part of that is because our, business our business model and and kind of the environment we operate in makes it easy to wake up in the morning and be excited about you know what you're going to work on today you know we're talking about travel we're talking about human connection hospitality and all those are things that really um you don't need to do the usual acrobatics. So, so I've worked with companies, you know, as, as an agency who, who, who have gone through kind of big brand transition and tried to align mission, core values, and business into a co- coherent uh, narrative, right? And sometimes that's difficult. You know, you need to bend a little and, and you're saying something, but, you know, your business might be doing something else. Um, Airbnb has been dealt this unique hand <laughs> where all of that stuff lines up pretty naturally, you know. It's like, like I said, we're we're in, we're in the business of hospitality, um, which aligns really well with our with our with our core values and the way we treat people that that come into the company. Uh, and then, uh, and so, so our vision, you know, our, our mission is is to build a world where where anyone can belong anywhere. And I think uh, what that leads to is is making sure that we're building a product that never becomes commoditized. You know, everything, every experience that we sell, whether it's a home or, or, you know, a cooking lesson or, 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 or just a walk in the park uh, is all led and guided and, and managed by people, by humans. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's one thing. Um, the other one is this idea of feeling like a local or, or, or mostly not feeling like an outsider when you visit a place. Uh, and, and what do you need to do to get to that point where, you know, you visit a place for the first time and you feel welcome there and that guides the product, right? That's, that's, that, that, uh, implies all sorts of decisions, um, that we need to make. Um, and the third part is that it's a truly global business. We can't think in any given language. We can't prioritize, uh, you know, specific countries over others. So it also forces us to really think globally and build this, this you know, near universal understanding of how the world operates, which we're still really far from, from totally understanding. I mean, we've just scratched the surface. Uh, but our mission, that's that simple con- concept of belonging anywhere, transforms into all these different, you know, key concepts that, that help us I think uh, that keeps us honest, you know? Um, so, you know, like I said, we're lucky. We have a very a great vision. It's it's aligned naturally to the brand. It's aligned to the culture of the office. It's aligned to, to the way people feel and think here. Um, and and therefore, it helps us make really great product decisions. You know, it's, it's, it's at least a few times a week 
somebody will bring up our mission um, at a meeting where we're making a product decision uh, to make sure that the decisions we're making align to our mission. And, uh, and it is done in, an, in a non-ironic way, and it is actually a really useful tool. And I can tell you that this is the first time um, I've seen this happen with so much regularity. And it's really great to have that as a guiding principle, as a North Star, uh, because it keeps the company focused. And if anybody, any, if you're in a company and you're, you're trying to figure this out, it is so incredibly important as you're going to scale, because there's this simple concept that drives everybody in the same direction, more or less. Um, and it can't be corrupted uh, easily. Uh, and it helps us keep, you know, everyone, every, it helps us keep us all honest, honest, especially at the leadership level. So, yeah, uh, that's what I think. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that a vision not only guides product decisions um, and keeps everyone aligned, but it also can affect the way that a company communicates to the world. Uh, you know, for instance, Apple in the late 90s when Steve Jobs came back was was really a, a ship with, without a sail. It, it didn't have a clear mission and their product decisions uh, reflected it. And they started the, the Think Different campaign, which was as much an advertising campaign to the world of how the world should see Apple, but also how the Apple employees should think about their work. And you know, reflecting on, on what you're describing, uh, build a world where anyone can belong anywhere. And that mission guiding both your, your product decisions, but also the marketing. I, you know, uh, there's been some, some issues with... Uh, People denying uh, certain people access to their Airbnb listing because of, of race. Um, and, and you guys responded to that very clearly and very quickly. And also, uh, for those that, that aren't paying attention in the world, uh, there's a, a, a ban in the United States on certain immigration. And you guys took a really gutsy approach to marketing during the Super Bowl, which is a it's, an, it's not not a cheap thing to do, and it wasn't uh, an ad that was communicating this is this is the offering, this is the product of Airbnb, but these are the people that make up Airbnb. Here's who we are, and we believe that the more inclusive we are, the better we are. Can you talk about how that that mission uh, translates into the world and how that affects I don't know company morale, uh, uh, pride in your work? Yeah, I. Um, it, it's funny because uh, 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 from from within these walls, um, it didn't feel like a courageous thing to do. It just felt like the right thing to do and in, inherently normal for us, um, because because of what we're trying to build, and um, and it is it is an incredibly complicated business, of course, but I think that. Um, at, at certain stages, there's certain events that happen. Whether it's us, you know, being one of the first companies moving into Cuba, or or the or the Super Bowl ad, where we feel, well, this feels like the right time um, um, to share the way we think already. And and like I said earlier, I think there are no acrobatics that we need to do to make it fit uh, because. Um, because it's just it just comes so natural to us, uh, um, because of you know because it, it actually makes and, and you know to be perfectly pragmatic, all of this makes business sense to us as well, right? Like we're in the hospitality business, and and more people traveling um, and feeling like they had a really transformational trip through through the experiences that they've had on Airbnb is good for us. Uh, uh, the, an interesting thing about the Super Bowl ad is that it is actually a continuation. Of a of a self you know of a of an internally created campaign that we've had around you know the concept of acceptance and making sure that we uh, 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 onboard people in our community with a set of 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 of, of uh, standards in in the way you know in the behaviors that we expect to see and and so so for us it was just a you know and we had we had already shown. A uh, similar type of campaign to to you know the, the millions of people in our community, but then when there was an opportunity to raise the stakes and show it to an even bigger 
audience. Uh, I think that felt really natural. So we've, uh, you know, we modified it for, for the Super Bowl. Uh, Another interesting fact is that five of the people in that ad are actually on the design team, um, because it, it's a, you know one 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 thing that's really great about here is that a lot of these things actually you know are come from a groundswell of teams and people that are simply you know you know demanding um, for for certain things to be done to align to the mission and they take it upon themselves to initiate stuff, you know, shoot a video and get it. And they're given permission to do that. Um, and so, so, you know, it's, it's just a, for me seeing it from where I saw this is like, you know, a self-initiated, um, um, a project that started, uh, from within the company that, very quickly got you know full leadership support, and then the entire company get behind it. We shared it with the entire community, and then months later, you know, as the world is rapidly changing, then we're continuing this message and just delivering it on the Super Bowl, and and it's 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 humbling to to be there and see see that happen. It, it is kind of crazy, and it is not a cheap thing. But let me tell you, we spent you know less money. Uh, this is this was something that we did, right? We didn't uh, we didn't have to change our message or 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 hire a celebrity or 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 really create this bombastic production to to make people listen to our message, and um, and it was so well received, you know. Um, that was, I think, it's one of the proudest moments I, that I've ever had. I just I was so proud of this company. Um, and the, you know, everyone from, from the founders to, to everyone else in, that was involved in this. So as you guys are scaling, uh, the team keeps growing, you're trying to operationalize, there's a balance between quality and speed that, you know, you need to keep moving and shipping things. There are deadlines to be met, but at the same time, you want to take the time to be able to do your best work. Um, you want to have produce high quality work. How do you guys rectify those, those two things that are sometimes at odds? Part of it is um, at some point you're going to need to reconcile this idea of, of, of compromise and the perfection you always seek and understand that you're constantly going to be feeling somewhat uneasy about the work that is launching. And, and, and I know that to be true, even at companies that we think are perfectionist and only launch something when they're perfect. You know, there's there's a sense of you can be proud about your work, but see every single issue that hasn't been rectified. Every designer knows this. Um, every designer kind of, you know, gets a little uncomfortable when they get congratulated about this amazing piece of work that they've done because they can see every fault in it. Uh, so I think we need to we need to just agree that that's a thing and and that we need to to live with it. Um, that being said, you know, velocity and quality don't have to be completely at odds um, because what happens when you join a company like Airbnb, and especially if you move from an agency model into, into a, a, you know, a, a company like this where the product is the single focus, um, you have time. You have time to try things out and you need to understand that the feature that you're launching today is going to benefit the feature that you're going the the the, up, the update to that feature that you're going to launch in 3 months, right? So you just want to see progression. And it's about switching from from a mindset of this is a launch and there's some finality to that launch to nothing ever being final and everything just being a step in 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 the right direction. And so you're just watching trends. Um, now on top of that, I think, um, as a designer, you're always fighting compromise, right? That's kind of the battle you have, uh, and, and, and you, you try to, to fight off compromise for as long as possible until, until something has to ship and you, and you keep doing that. So hopefully the, the layers of polish and quality kind of just get added on top of that. Um, but this would not be possible without the right tooling. I, I still, you know, I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I don't think the toolings that are that are currently available uh, match up to the needs of companies like ours. Uh, you know, as a as a discipline, we 
we spent 20 years using Photoshop and Illustrator and making them do things that they were never built to, to, to create, right? Um, I think, you know, and, and in the last three years, we've really seen kind of a, 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 a revolution in, in design tools, but we're still very much behind engineering, right? And um, engineering has been innovating on tools for the, for the past 20, 30 years. Um, and so, you know, we have things like GitHub and, 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 and all sorts of, of development platforms that are constantly evolving. And I think we've been pretty stagnant. So, which is why we're investing in a lot of these tools. Tools help us build stuff quicker, which means you have more time to focus on quality, which means that you can deliver assets and communicate with engineers with, with less of a, you know, less of a, uh, you know, a drop in sync between the different teams. You can keep everybody aligned. Uh, all of that adds up to quality. Um, and then on top of that, just making sure that people under, at every discipline, at every level understands that quality is important to us. And it is the way we represent our brand. Most people interface with our brand through our product. And, um, and you know, quality... Um, Dropping quality at the sake of moving quickly is sometimes the 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 the, the wrong solution. So, um, you know, you need to remain pragmatic. And uh, I can tell you that every time I get a compliment about about the app, I see everything that's wrong with it. Um, um, uh, but I know that it's better today than it was yesterday, and it'll be better tomorrow. And and that's what I'm aiming for. Earlier, you mentioned uh, you have a design ops team, which is uh, a bit of a nascent topic in in the design space and product design space that, um, you know, groups that think about tooling, that think about process. Um, can you talk a bit about the design ops team at Airbnb? Who's on it and what sorts of things are they doing? Yeah, so um, the, the design ops team are... Um, Essentially, uh, tool builders. So we have a, an incredible team of of, um, uh, of folks build, building design tools, and that is, you know, both both internally built uh, tools, but also integrations and investment in in, in third parties and open source. Uh, we just did stuff like um, we released uh, Lottie, our our vector animation engine, um, and and we're building we're building a set of tools um, that we hope to release. Um, uh, you know, this year. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, there are we have program management, which are the folks that uh, basically run programs across the organization. So they have the best sense of what's going on uh, across outcomes or within certain disciplines, and they make sure that uh, that we can see we can see ahead and we understand. Uh, you know how the operation is functioning, uh, and we also have production designers in there. Um, so we have a, a you know a, a great production design uh, capability, which you know supports all these different efforts and is tied into these new tools and processes. So uh, you know, I think there isn't a standard definition of what design operations is. Um, for us, it's really about you know, tools, production supports, and process and operations. Um, and and that has helped us, you know, I think scale without just having to throw people at a at an issue. And and that and that further down the line, and I think to designers specifically, designers that's important, um, it allows us to keep teams smaller and for everyone on a team to feel to have more direct impact on the product. Um, and I think that's incredibly important as a company scales, because the last thing you want to do is create an organization that has grown so much uh, that you essentially, there are roles within it where somebody controls or has uh, manages to influence a tiny uh, part of that experience. Um, so so that's that's the that's the gamble I think that's the bet we're t we're making is that investing in those tools allows us to have more engaged um, and more empowered designers and a, a potentially smaller design team than a company our our size would would usually get to. So this is this is just something we're curious about, and um, you know, there's obviously a lot of companies out there that that have design at their core. Um, but we're curious if, if you have any companies specifically that you think, um, there, you find their process inspiring 
or just the way that they embrace design kind of in balance with product and engineering? Um, I mean, I think it, it depends if you're, um, if you're thinking through, uh, if you, if you're talking about engineering specifically in software terms, but, uh, I think Nike is an incredibly inspiring company, um, just because of its age and maturity and how they've managed to really define what, what creativity means to them, but also the, the technical innovation component and how these teams work together. And they've managed to, through that, really, uh, you know, move beyond shoes and into, you know, pretty hardcore technology. Um, and some of the, 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 the innovation that comes out of that company um, that's been operating for a while and, and, um, and at the speed that they do it and that brand loyalty that they've built around it is, is really impressive. And, and, you know, talking about having a mission led company, I think there's a very clear sense of purpose in that company. And there's a very clear sense of, you know, craftsmanship and co co cooperation between those different, those different teams, because, you know, the, the weaving technology applies to what you can design. And I think they figured out a lot of that stuff, um, and so to me, that's an, in, an incredibly, uh, um, just, you know, an incredible role model. Um, I feel, uh, you know, looking from the outside, I'm, I'm looking at companies like Slack, very impressed with what they've been doing. Um, and I am also, you know, happy to see just Google and fa Facebook, which are these huge companies who have invested in, in design in a meaningful way. Um, and, 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 you know, I think it's important for us to realize and appreciate uh, that uh, that effort because it's not easy uh, to shift a company's focus like that. And we're seeing really good things, both in in tooling and um, just collaboration between design and engineering coming out of both Google, uh, you know, with things like material design and Facebook with 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 some of the tools and the open source work that they've been doing. So I, I feel we're you know everybody's contributing towards a better world and i'm i'm excited uh to see that happen that's great well we're excited to have had you on the show thanks so much for your time and we really appreciate it yeah this was fun thanks a lot thanks alex mm -hmm.